All right, we are here. We are present. I am with the Bear of Island. Yeah. <laughs> it's a funny pun, dude. It's a funny pun. And you know what's funny about it is that, um, like, a lot of people have that last name. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I, like, I kind of act like it's my unique pun, but it's a last name pun. So my brother could use it if he wants to. It's not like a first, it's oh, not like yeah. a Rohit pun. It's like a Baricello, Bari so Violin pun. It's a family pun. pun. So, I mean, like, uh, like, I use it, but, like, really it's not as unique that's your as Instagram it comes across. Also, right? Yeah, that's my Instagram handle, yeah. And then I use it on some other accounts. But I still like it, and I still came up with it, so it still so makes it, me awesome. So you still take ownership of it. I still it. take ownership That's good. Um, so we are here, again, present, to talk about the first democratic debate, the first first and the first second. Yes. Does that make sense yes. for, the, for the people? Um, so how we're going to format this, talk about the clear winners, why, and of course other highlights, and we're going to do this for the first and the second debate. First debate, overall, how did you think it went? The first debate was, it was really calm. I wasn't expecting any sort of serious fights to break out, and no serious fights did break out. We had the the conflict between uh, Beto, Beto and um, Julian Castro. And then Gabbard and Tim Ryan. And then Gabbard and Tim Ryan, but those weren't, they got, they got a little bit heated, but they weren't these these crazy fiery debates like we saw in the second, um, right. in the second one. Yeah, overall though, um, there's also the anticipation that it was going to be kind of like the kids' table of the debates, but it it really wasn't. Like I felt like a lot of good um, a lot of good stuff happened. A lot of really great policy proposals were put forward, but it still didn't feel as professional as as the second debate. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Mm-hmm. Um, clear winners, in my opinion, I think of this were Elizabeth Warren and Cory Booker for yeah, I different agree. reasons. Yes. Uh, Cory Booker was very sharp, and I think mm-hmm. he came off a lot more authentic than he has in the past. Mm-hmm. Especially after 2016, you had this buzz, like immediately the day after Trump won, there was this Booker buzz for running for president, right? He was actually right. one of the very uh-huh. first people. And I genuinely feel like it kind of got to his head, because whenever you mm-hmm. see him on... Uh, see him on the news, it looks like he's trying a little bit too hard, right? Uh-huh. It looks like he sometimes, um, he's trying to act genuine. And the problem with trying to act genuine is that's not genuine. And it shows right there that you're not coming off genuine, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it looks like, it kind of felt like he went into the Batman cave, mm-hmm, took some cave. time, came out, and he was incredibly sharp. It felt like he was, uh-huh. he was present. And then Elizabeth Warren for just straight up answering the questions and that's straight up thing. like sticking to the facts yeah like she didn't say anything like i don't think she said anything juicy or something worth of a soundbite no she did it was actually of substance and that's something i respect too she's i mean she's a college professor she treats right. people are saying she's treating her campaign and her rallies a little bit like a college lecture and that doesn't always work but i think the way she's doing it is conveying a lot of information to people that don't know a lot about her policies which is a really good thing. But my, my issue tonight, or not tonight, um, that night, last um, Wednesday, and and actually really any any of her interviews or rallies is that she comes off, like she's, it seems like she's putting up an act. She's uh, putting up this, this uh, like media personality uh, that she wants to push for her campaign, but it's not her real personality. She's trying to be with the people, what she thinks the people want to right. see in a president which isn't the right way to go because in doing that I th- it's kind of taking away from her her really solid policy proposals. And I think they're actually one of the most solid out of 
They are. 23 yeah. candidates. 23, yeah, three of them didn't get yeah. on stage, but 23 candidates. And I'd expect right. nothing less, less from Warren. But I just want to see her become more authentic in the future. Because at the same time, um, if she can't be authentic in her campaign to her, um, to, to the people she's campaigning to, I don't have 100% confidence that she'll be totally authentic in any of her promises that she makes if she ends up um, getting the presidency. Right. Yeah. Um, so was she your only clear winner or? No, yeah, so so Warren and and Castro for the reason, no, not, not Castro, uh, Booker for the reasons you said, and then Castro in addition for me. Because I know he got a little bit of flack from a few people for digging into Bet- Beto, but it felt like it was for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. He was defending his own stance and he was kind of being a bully. But um, it was all policy. And so it was, right. a, it was a very targeted, uh, it was a very targeted attack towards Beto. And then mm-hmm. you had a lot of people going after Beto. He felt kind of like oh, a yeah. punching bag oh, there. Yeah. And he was, and I'm going to say straight up, he was not able to defend himself well. The reason that they're separating these little children from their families is that they're using Section 1325 of that act which criminalizes coming across the border to incarcerate the, pre- the parents and then separate them. Some of us on this stage have called to end that section, to terminate it. Some, like Congressman O'Rourke, have not. And I want to challenge all of the candidates to do that. I I just think it's a mistake, Bethel. I think it's a mistake. And I think that that if you truly want to change the system, then we got to repeal that section. If not, then it might as well be the same policy. Let me me respond to this very briefly. Actually, as a member of Congress, I helped to introduce legislation that would ensure that we don't criminalize those who are seeking asylum and refuge I'm in this country. If you're fleeing, about, I'm not if you're the fleeing ones that desperation, are then I'm I want to make about, sure I'm I want to make sure that you're treated else. with respect. I'm still talking about everybody but, else. But you're looking at just one small part of this. I'm talking about a comprehensive rewrite of our immigration that's laws. That's not true. And if we do that, I don't that's think not, it's asking that's too much not for true. people I'm to follow about, our laws I'm when they come to this country. I'm talking about millions of folks. A lot of folks that are coming are not seeking asylum. A lot of them are undocumented immigrants, right? And you said recently that the reason you didn't want to repeal Section 1325 was because uh, you were concerned about human trafficking and and drug trafficking. But let me tell you what, Section 18, uh, Title 18 of the U.S. Code, Title 21 and Title 22 already cover if human trafficking. Is is a a I think that you should do your homework We're going on this to make issue. Sure that they are if you did your homework on this issue, you would know that we should repeal this section. This is an issue that we should and could be talking about for a long time, and we will. Castro's kind of treating this like, um, like repealing Section 1325 of that act will automatically fix all of the deportation problems that we have. But if uh, if somebody if somebody in power really wants to continue carrying out these unjustified acts at the border, they'll find another way, and it might be difficult. But like at least they'll look for another way. And he he's uh, Castro's treating it like um, he can solve the entire problem by abolishing one act. Beto's saying that um, he wants to have comprehensive reform. He wants to take the holistic approach to to fixing um, all of these deportation issues and all, all you know the entire border crisis. So, I think both of them do have a point. I really do. But if I'm going to be honest, I think Castro did a pretty bad job with conveying his message there. Mm-hmm. Because he was basically saying he wants to repeal the law so future presidents won't be able to use it the way the current president is, which is being able to separate children from parents. Yeah. So, he doesn't want to criminalize immigration, but treat it as a non-criminal violation or civil infraction, but he just kept on referring to a section and codes in a manner mm-hmm. that didn't effectively get his point across 
Yeah. Again, yeah. Castro did have a great point here, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it was kind of muddled in the fact in codes and bills in a way that I think a lot of people are not going to understand. Yeah. So in reality, I, I genuinely feel like this exchange itself, in a way, kind of went nowhere. Yeah, he was speaking a little bit of legalese, which isn't the right way to go right now. This is all about sure. communicating to the people. If he wants to speak in legal terms like that, he should speak legal terms to politicians when it comes time to reform those policies. It also comes down on Beto, Beto to properly convey what he was trying to like mm-hmm. say. That's the thing. I kind of, I could gather what he was trying to say, but he wasn't giving specifics. And that was my biggest problem with his performance this night was that he had these vague visions for what he wanted, but right. he wasn't saying, I'm going to do this. And that doesn't mean he has to say um, exact, like he doesn't have to give specific, um, you know, legal procedures. He mm-hmm. just needs to say, this is what I'm going to do. You right. know, this is what I want to happen. And um, this is how I'm going to do it. It doesn't have to be super complicated. And Are I didn't get any of that in terms from of uh, Castro or... And this is in terms of Beto. Beto, okay. Oh, yeah, Be- Beto, he didn't... Um, the, the entire night. He just wasn't giving specific ways he would solve the problems he was asked. I also think he got better as the night went on. Because yeah. in the beginning, he sucked. He mm. dodged a question by speaking in Spanish. Uh-huh. Which, again, is not an the, the question, entirely it, an issue for me. He just it, it looked like he tried shoving in a talking point that yeah. he had rehearsed. And she even said again, okay, I'm going to clarify my question, I'm going to give yeah, you a chance she, she to answer. Yeah, she had more time to, yeah. to answer directly. thing is, she asked him about tax rates. I think it was 70% right. progressive tax rates. And his response to that was to give um, an answer in Spanish. And it wasn't relevant to... to <laughs> it, it, it didn't remotely answer the question. He just kind of, like, like you said, he just brought up another talking point. And if he had given that response in Spanish to a question it was relevant to, like the border crisis, it might have had actual impact. Yeah, so if he had been asked, like, a, if it had been relevant, it would have made sense for him to to give the response in Spanish, and he wouldn't have been pandering, because... Um, it was just out of place. It was, it, it would be relevant. I mean, that's that's all there is to it. But he was definitely pandering in this specific I'm not instance. Ag- and I'm not against speaking different languages in a debate. I think... No, I yeah. I think uh, Castro's closing statement had an appropriate use of it, right? But it, it just so. comes off very cheap. Whenever yeah. you use it, where it's it's very obvious that you're trying to pander to an audience, which is what Beto was doing when Castro at the end in his closing remarks said, "We're going to say adios to Donald Trump," that that made sense because he's he has a history of making policies that harm Hispanic um, people in Latin American and Latin American communities. Relevant, right? It was relevant, so he's saying we're going to say adios to Donald and Trump. Then you had the, sense. you had the Booker side eye, but again, I think Beto got progressively better as mm-hmm. it went his stance on him. yeah no his stance on renewable agriculture jobs was a great yeah um was a great position and his closing statement was also was pretty good too mm-hmm. it's just that again like in the beginning he was not there and it looked like basically the coach said all right you're you're the backup backup shooting guard <laughs> and it was finally his time to go and he got on the court and he was like wait mm-hmm. how did i get here like it just did not look like he was ready yeah definitely not and he needs to understand that he's there for a reason and he needs uh-huh. to take it on because I can tell you that his debates against Ted Cruz, mm. his presence, yeah, and his intellect was far ahead than what was being seen here. Yeah, yeah. I was watching a, a video about, um, it was like a highlights video of this. I forgot who, um, who did it. I'll pull it up in a second. But um, 
he uh yeah people were saying they kind of expected a better showing from beto because of exactly what you said like he mm-hmm. he had these great points or uh, these great moments against uh cruz so it was a little bit disappointing because he has it in him right he, i think he does it's just that that was just a moment where he just looked he looked kind of off mm-hmm. um then we got we got de blasio De Blasio. Blasio. He just interrupted people. He did. Like he's kind of rude. He was, but he, he wasn't wrong about stuff. He wasn't wrong about stuff. I would say that. But again, I think the part where he said, "Um, I have something that," or no, I he said, "He said I have something here mm. that nobody else has." Right, and that is yeah. for the past, I think, twenty years. I've been raising a black son. And I think it's fair to say that his black son didn't experience nearly as much. Um, systemic racism as Booker experienced when he was a kid because de Blasio's son is living with his white dad and he's living in uh, probably I'm assuming uh, a high-income neighborhood right but I don't I don't think that I mean that wasn't the point that's not the point I still believe that whenever you have cops on the street right Mm -hmm. they see they're still seeing color right and I still think that whether or not he's living with a um, a white mayor, mm-hmm. that's still not going to change the fact that he is or his son is a black man right yeah. on the streets that the cop can see as, I mean, well, cop will treat differently from a white man. Yeah, no, I agree with that. So point I think the sure. point still remains is just that I still think de Blasio, basically de Blasio bringing that up was another bad form of pandering yeah yeah um and the issue with the debate was that i felt like it was just it was amateur hours the clear standouts Mm. were warren and booker um or or amateur two hours and because (laughs) candidates were trying to shove in sound bites sometimes Mm. a lot of the times had it had nothing to do with the question or they would have this horrible pivot to shove in what they wanted to say we had that a lot night too though I was, I was looking back over it, and um, sometimes people would get asked a question. They would either dodge the question and pivot it to an issue they wanted to talk about, or they would quickly answer the question and then pivot to something they wanted to talk about. I saw a lot of that I from Bernie. I would still say it was a lot more smooth on night two than it was mm-hmm. night one. In terms of... Um, transitioning, transitioning into... Like, the pivot was... The pivots in night two were a lot more smooth and... Night one, again, it felt like they were just trying to shove in these sound, but like you said, mm. with Beto yes. and his prepared, um, his prepared his speech Spanish in Spanish, his Spanish yeah. monologue, which had kind of, it just, it felt like it that was, was it felt like that was his opening statement, right? Yeah. And he didn't answer the question. And yeah. we also had that with Jay Inslee when he interrupted Elizabeth Warren uh-huh. to pivot to how he's <laughs> the only one who's done something on a woman's reproductive health when you had three women Three women on that stage. And then Klobuchar... Who have also... Including yeah, Klobuchar basically Klobuchar said, said yeah. I think there are three women on the stage who have done a lot for women who have And then he was probably yeah. standing there like, wait. Like, like, <laughs> that was just another moment. That was a great moment for Klobuchar. No, and I think Klobuchar also was a um, highlight of that first mm-hmm. first debate. I just don't think yeah. she was a clear winner, but she, she, did, have, she did have moments. Yeah. Um, And it felt like there were also at times where Booker, Warren, some of the top dogs... We're kind mm-hmm. of seeing this amateur like personality in a lot of these candidates play out, and yeah. there's just a smirk that they were trying to trying to hide. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, there were a lot of uh, a lot of these people that could have fit into the night two debate really well. 
Do you think that Warren um, is disappointed that she wasn't on night two? I really don't know what to say because I don't know a whole lot about Warren. I haven't been following her campaign, but I don't think she is. Reason being, by being in night one, she was already a big dog in this field of lesser known candidates. Right. So she was going to have the opportunity to communicate her platform and her visions for the country a lot more effectively than if she had been a night two, because she would have had to compete with all these other big names. So I think I think she appreciate I think it, she would have appreciated actually being a night two, just so she could go and uh, you know kind of spar with the other candidates and show that she's the superior one. Right. But I I mean there's gonna be plenty I more opportunities. Two, to she's debate. gonna wanna be on that stage though. With you the, think so? With the, I think so because mm-hmm. now it's coming to the point where it feels like we kind of know who the um front runners are mm-hmm. right and she's gonna have to be competing with these people she is or yeah. she's gonna be casted aside right that being said she is pulling really well right she is now. pulling well, and that's why i'm calling her a big name right now right mm-hmm. but i do feel like at some point she's gonna want to be on that stage and that's that's why i mean it's good there are plenty of additional debates after this there's one in july mm-hmm. and there's gonna be more yeah, throughout the fall. There's so I, three, it, I think the third debate. By the third debate, you're kind of finalizing yeah. who's um, who's going to move on. Right, right. But so, um, because there are more opportunities to debate, I don't think it's mattering to her that much. Because, right, there will be... Because the point of, of these first debates were to introduce people. yourself to people who weren't aware of you before and just get your platform out there. And she had a really great opportunity to do that on night one. If it was night two, she might have been having to defend herself a little bit and attack a little bit, and it might have distracted from her goal of um, pushing her message. Right. Because I, for sure, I wasn't following her campaign too intensely, but after watching night one, I learned a lot about her. And Booker, for that matter, too. Booker was totally off my radar. But he now, was off a lot of people's radar, which is weird yeah. because... He's, again, like I said, like he's a large presence. He is. But he was off the radar. But I think it was for a specific reason. You think he was flying low? I think he was flying under, under the radar yeah. for a reason. Yeah. But he's now is the time where he's going to have to pick it up. Yeah. And he had a breakout moment in the first debate. That was something, too, where a lot... Uh, I think the Washington Post had him... Um, and don't quote me on this. I think they had him, uh, like, in the middle in terms of just um, performance rankings. They didn't have him winning like we did. But I think the reason I have him as one of the winners of that night is he introduced himself to a lot of people that just didn't know about him before. And he did a pretty good job of outlining what he's about and what he he wants for America. A lot of the other candidates didn't do that. That is that's true. Mm-hmm. And that was the goal of tonight. I and mean, that you was had the goal a, of the you had a lot of people plugging their credentials. Like this There's is what I've done, but they didn't have they didn't have a plan for what they plan on yeah. doing in the future. This was mm. Gabbard, Delaney did Delaney. this, De Blasio did this. Yeah. Um not much of what they plan on doing. And then we're gonna get to that too, because Marianne Williamson. Marianne Williamson. She, she had a commentary on this, which I do uh-huh. partially agree with, but I most I'm more on the disagreement <laughs> on that. But we'll get we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and Warren didn't plug herself at all, which I liked. She, she, she stuck to the facts 
So we've had an industrial policy in the United States for decades now, and it's basically been let giant corporations do whatever they want to do. Giant corporations have exactly one loyalty, and that is to profits. And if they can save a nickel by moving a job to Mexico or to Asia or to Canada, they're going to do it. So here's what I propose for an industrial policy. Start with a place where there's a real need. There's going to be a worldwide need for green technology, ways to clean up the air, ways to clean up the water. And we can be the ones to provide that. We need to go tenfold in our research and development on green energy going forward. And then we need to say, any corporation can come and use that research. They can make all kinds of products from it, but they have to be manufactured right here in the United States of America. And then we have to double down and sell it around the world. There's a $23 trillion market coming for green products. We should be the leaders and the owners, and we should have that 1.2 million manufacturing jobs here in America. We can do this. I mean, yeah, I agree with her. That's kind of it. I don't have any specific thoughts. She kind of laid out everything. I think this is definitely an intriguing proposal, which yeah. tackled a multitude of issues affecting mm -hmm. a lot of people. And for the first time, it actually felt like intelligence was being brought to that debate stage. Yeah. Um, and that's why, again, I think... I keep on saying this, the biggest plus about her was she's just stuck to the facts, her policy, her plan, right? Yeah. Um, and I think she did I think she did a great job that night. Mm -hmm. uh, so next, everyone was asked if they'd sign on to the 2015 nuclear deal mm -hmm. with Iran, mm -hmm. and everyone raised their hand except for Booker, which I think he Booker. knew this was something he would stand, stand out on. Uh -huh. And um, here's what he had to say. First and foremost, it was a mistake to pull out of that deal. And one of the reasons why we're seeing this hostility now is because Donald Trump is marching us to a far more dangerous situation. Literally, he took us out of a deal that gave us transparency into their nuclear program and pushed back a nuclear breakout 10, 20 years. And now we see Iran threatening to go further and we're pull, being pulled in further and further into this crisis. We need to renegotiate and get back into a deal, but I'm not going to have a primary platform to say unilaterally I'm going to rejoin that deal because when I am president of the United States, I'm going to do the best I can to secure this country and that region and make sure that if I have an opportunity to leverage a better deal, I'm going to do it. So again, you found a way to stand out by saying I don't support it, mm -hmm. but I kind of do. I'm just going to yeah. try and negotiate a better deal if possible. Mm -hmm. Which I think is going to be really difficult now because America's relations with Iran mm -hmm. are pretty bad. They've definitely worsened. And turn. it's like he knew if he separated himself from the candidates on this position, he'd look more level-headed. But in mm -hmm. reality, at this moment, it's going to be really hard to even get back into that 2015 nuclear deal. Yeah. So, yes, he did find a way to stand out, but... Again, at this moment, the relations, the American relations with Iran mm -hmm. are far worse. Yeah. And it's not going to be as easy as just jumping back into this deal. Like saying, hey, we're sorry. Yeah. Can you have us back, please? Yeah. Yeah. And what he should have said, I mean, okay, well, his, his whole point here, I mean, like you said, he wanted to give his differing opinion. But in reality, if he has to sign back onto the deal and the opportunity is available, he's going to do it. That's the smart thing to do. 
So he should have raised his hand. It should have been everybody raising their That's hands. That's my point. So he That's basically the only, said, all he wanted to do was push stand his, out. his stand. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he said, I don't support it, but I, I kind of do. I just want to negotiate yeah. a better deal, which again, I want to get a better one. But like, which issue. candidate on here wouldn't take a better deal? You know? But that's my point. Yeah. Right now, our, the trust with Iran, mm-hmm. at least Iran, does not trust America. Right. Like, so. But so my point is. It's not going to be as easy was, as jumping into it. Yeah, but what Booker said, like his, his goal here of differentiating himself kind of falls on itself because he's like, yeah, I want to negotiate a better deal. But everybody other, every other candidate would also negotiate a better deal if they could. And that's what Klobuchar said also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, again, he found a way to stand out. and You did. In the moment, it was a little bit impressive, though. You had to kind of think about it to to, to decide if it's. I found the way that he did that uh-huh. impressed. The way he mm-hmm. found, like, of course, he was ready for that question. He was. His campaign got he him was. prepared for that, right? He was. His his uh, people. So my point is that he found a way to stand out. He did uh-huh. this. He has multiple times throughout the debate. I actually feel like this was a like a uh-huh. clear moment where he did that. But when it comes to a person who actually just stuck to the facts and actually answered the question, mm-hmm. I truly believe that was Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Um, but overall, that was the first debate, right? Um, mm-hmm. We had, again, like I said, clear winners, Booker, Warren. Yeah. I think Klobuchar did, Klobuchar had a good a, uh, did a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beto, I feel like he just needs to... Get ready for this next debate. He does. Pulling he has out. it in him. He really does. He does. He does. I think he was just... In terms of the debate, he has it in him. In terms of his, his proposals, I really don't know if he does. In terms of his mean? his ideas for a better America, I don't know if his ideas and his um, policy goals are better than the other candidates. I don't know if they ever will be. But purely in terms of debate, like how good he is at debating, he definitely has it in him right. to give a better performance. I also feel like he needs to clarify a lot on his uh, policy mm-hmm. and uh, of course right Castro now. had a had a good night too yeah Castro had a good night alright second debate second debate boys this, this let's get the, it the, the juicy one this was the juicy one this was the juicy this was one. the juicy debate these debates kind of actually no mostly went the way I thought they would really with who would stand out right I, I, mm. I predicted Beto coming short right and a lot of us probably did yeah I, think. I, yeah. I, um, I predicted Booker being surprisingly sharp because mm-hmm. I had seen some interviews before yeah. going into this. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is the kind of the Booker before, again, like I said, he started to try to act genuine. Yes. Um, and then, of course, Warren, I knew was going to st- straight stick to the facts, lay it she out did. the way it is. She did. Um, and then this yeah. debate, we had talked about it where I basically said, I feel like this debate is going to be people going after Bernie and Biden, right? Yeah. That's that happened, mm. and Kamala basically. I didn't predict her taking on Biden the way she did, which we'll get to s- soon. That was a moment for sure. But I did predict her being sharp, mm. um, and having a large presence. That's her personality, and, and that she's is always her personality, like that. Right. share as well. I mean, she's um, she can be harsh when she's passionate about something, right? And we saw that. And with Buttigieg, I basically said, I'm not. I'm in, I'm in the middle here. This is his moment to shine. Yeah. If he falls short, that's on him. And I do believe he had a great night. He did. He did. Um, the clear winners for me, at least, were Kamala Harris and Pete Buttigieg. Uh, what about you? Yeah, for me, Kamala Harris, Pete Buttigieg, and um, a little bit of... Um... Gillibrand? Yes, Gillibrand. Kirsten, as I have her in my notes. Yeah, no, she, she definitely... I don't... I mean... Don't get me wrong. I don't think she's 
as well-rounded as the other two but she again she conveyed her message so well like it's mm-hmm. so clear after watching this debate what she stands for and i have a lot of respect for how she carried out the debate too she interjected so much i think she might have had the most interjections she did she definitely did yeah and um they weren't annoying either because she was responding to things and she was there was one where she said let me answer this for my turn yeah she said no it's my turn now and the and the way she did that at first i was like huh that that would come off very annoying yeah that's kind of an annoying thing to do but, but i didn't for some reason i didn't see that way i think she like i said she interjected very well mm-hmm. yeah i agree she um, wasn't she wasn't being a diva i feel like when she said no, it's my turn i mean she hadn't spoke she hadn't interjected yet i mean or or rather she hadn't gotten a lot of speaking time yet in the debate i think she knew that these debates were going to be a little advised towards who is being asked the most questions and they were and they were which i also think is wrong Uh, because it looks like you have to pull well mm -hmm. before you go into these debates yeah and i also feel like each candidate should be asked an equal equal amount of questions and just to go back to the first debate um what's her what's her name warren she had a great performance but she also got asked, I think, the most questions. Yeah, near that third uh, part of the debate, she was yeah. not asked many questions, but she was asked a lot in the first in two parts. In the beginning, parts. yeah, right. which helped her. I'm sure she would have done fine without being asked that many questions, but um, it doesn't change the fact that right. she, she was and asked And then Yang lot. was asked one question. She was asked two questions. He was asked two questions. Two questions. One, of, one was about universal basic income. Which is a policy proposal of his. Right. And one and was, was about um, how he would deal with uh, the threat of China. Right, right. Um, but, again, Kamala Harris for basically having this dominating presence on stage. Mm. And also her idea of the LIFT Act. Um, it's a $2 trillion yeah. middle-class tax cut that will provide $3,000 for individuals who make less than $50,000 a year and $6,000 for families who make less than $100,000 a year. Okay. So if we're going to talk about policy, I think mm. she was very clear about she was, and I Where she that. stood on that. Yeah. And then Buttigieg for truly having this balance between ideas, inspiration, and definitely accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, again, we'll, 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 we'll get to that. That, that was a good yeah. moment for that him. Was, was Excellent moment. moment for him. So, uh, healthcare. Healthcare, is that where we're starting? Let's start with healthcare. The, the Vermontian? Vermonter? The, the, I think it's Vermontian. Uh, the Vermontian sounds right. Ver, the Vermontian, Vermontian sounds right. Um, good old Bernie. He wants to do away with private insurers, and he right? wants to transition to a single-payer system, Medicare for all. I think overall, though, he he had a great, he had the best closing statement. Wait, I actually ranked their closing statements. You Let me did? Just, personal rankings, of course. Okay. Well, what um, oh, yeah, no, no, I agree with you. Yeah, I gave, uh, I did like a one through three ranking kind of thing. And this was, I did this in five minutes, all right, so... But uh, I said Pete, Bernie, and Kirsten uh, Gillibrands all had um, all had the best the best um, closing statements. Right. I think Kamala had the one of the best nights, one of the worst closing. I agree statements. with you. I gave Kamala a three. She she gave a Trump ass answer. <laughs> she didn't she didn't have an effective closing statement. Right. Yeah, which is funny because like you said, she had one of the best one best of the best nights. best nights. Bernie. Yeah. So what were you gonna say about Bernie? Um. There was a moment which I frankly think happens a lot of them where he was asked about how he's going to transition from private uh-huh. to public health insurance option. Yes. And he dodged the question. Indeed. It is a difficult question to answer, but he's running on it and mm-hmm. putting it at the forefront of his campaign. So he needs to figure it out yeah. and find a way to effectively communicate it to people. Yeah, I agree. And then you also have Buttigieg and uh, Gillibrand stating that they won't go immediately into a public health insurance option but make the transition more of a step-by-step process 
and Buttigieg also stating that if you want Medicare, you can have it, but if you want um, Medicare for all, you can have it, but if you like your private health insurance, you can keep it. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about that? Because I know you had also thought that was a pretty uh, reasonable stance. That's the stance I would definitely take because at the end of the day, and I kind of agree with um, Kirsten was like the goal she was pushing forward. She said we need to um, create public insurance, public insurance that's so good that a lot of us, and she didn't necessarily say this just in her, um, in the, the night, but this is kind of like uh, one thing that she has been saying, just the public insurance needs to be good enough to where everybody wants the public insurance. Nobody wants the private insurance. Right. Yeah. And so, so by giving people the option, there isn't, we're not forcing people to do something because nobody wants to get forced to, to do something they don't want to do. But if we give them the obvious choice of choosing mm-hmm. the better insurance, which ends up being cheaper, um, why not take it? Right. And she gave a, I'll see if I can find it later on. I wrote something about um, the answer she gave on that, but I'll look for that later. Control F. Here we go. Yeah, so Kirsten, she said she wants to have both options of public and private insurance. She said that um, having this system of competition between private insurance and government-sponsored healthcare is the fastest way to get to universal healthcare. She said that competition is going to streamline the process, and that's why she's for it. She thinks it's the most efficient way to get everybody insured, which I think I agree with. I I totally agree with that, actually, because then everybody has something they can do. Wealthy Mm -hmm. people can go get private insurance, or maybe they already have it. Poor people then have a very direct path to get insurance, go with public insurance. And I think she wants to have a buy-in system, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so she wants to have like a buy-in for the public insurance and then as an earned benefit after um, you buy into the, to the public insurance, you, um, you transition to single payer. Right. And so if this system, what she's saying is if, if the, the system uh, goes smoothly, then very quickly everybody will have some form of insurance. Right. Yeah. And um, what I'm hoping is that the public insurance is significantly better than the private insurance. And everybody eventually decides to switch to, to transition. private. Right. I mean, no, sorry, to public to public insurance. Right. But, um, but a lot of this is also if steady. you understand the point of these debates, which is just to give publicity. It's kind of like political theater. It's like political theater. Sadly, it's like, yeah. um, I mean, these candidates are trying to get exposure and they're trying to get their platform to the masses because everybody's mm-hmm. going to tune into NBC to watch these debates. So the point of this first debate was, it was the introductory debate. So I think it's totally fine to do a little bit of question dodging if you're doing it to, um, you know, give specifics about your campaign. Right. In terms of Beto, though, he didn't do that. So that, that sort of question dodging, I don't condone. Oh, Beto. Oh, Beto. I keep saying, so is it Beto or Beto? It's Beto. It's Beto. Beto yeah. O'Rourke. Okay. Keep yeah. going from Beto to Beto yeah. to, to Beto. Yeah. We had a guy, a guy in high school called, um, I guess his name was Beto. We called him Beto. And I guess we, I just got used to saying Beto. In high school? He, he was like the grade below us. So he's not, oh. he wasn't in our class. Yeah, yeah. He, he was in bands, but I always used to say Beto. Or no, Beto, Beto. Do you still see him? I don't really see him anymore. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's, he's a dude. Oh, let's, let's, let's talk about that Buttigieg moment for him taking responsibility for yeah. what occurred in South Bend recently where the police officer mm-hmm. shot a black man who claimed to have been attacking the officer with a knife, but the officer's body camera was, was not on. Yeah. And not only did he take accountability, but he also stated 
that the de-escalation and bias training didn't save the life of Eric Logan and mm-hmm. more things need to be done. Yes. And honestly, this is true. I mean, there have been multiple situations where a person of color has been shot dead mm-hmm. and coincidentally, the body camera was not on. Yes. And this needs to be one of the issues at the forefront of every candidate's campaign. And I think with Buttigieg taking accountability for what went on, he's genuinely recognizing the mm, issue. Yeah, I was really happy to see that. As soon as I saw it, as soon as he started talking, I was, um, I knew it was going to be a good answer. Right. Yeah. Um, and then we'll, then think that may have led into the whole Biden, Biden v. Kamala um, situation. Yeah, so from there, the entire uh, conversation got shifted towards race or or did it or did it because she did take a slight jab at Buttigieg also by Mm -hmm. basically saying body cameras were on or they should be on right what's his name um Swalwell too Swalwell started to dig into um Pete he said why didn't you fire the chief right he said (laughs) if the guy did he should have fired the chief and then then Pete went on saying um I'm not allowed to take sides until after the report is through and um, then he says something to the effect of, you know, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that justice is... Um, and then Swalwell kept on up. going after him. Swalwell dag... Dag. Dug. Swalwell dug in. Swalwell dug in. And then Buttigieg just... He's stared, big on the gun yeah. thing. Buttigieg just stared at him in Norwegian. <laughs> <laughs> Angry Norwegian eyes. <laughs> um, yeah. But, Was this where Swalwell uh, pivoted into gun rights? Or no, no, no. I think they just asked him a question about it. Well, they, they asked him the question, I believe. Yeah. This um, was the part one. I think he shined. I was really happy to see, or I, I wasn't happy to see. I was really impressed to see. I, but he, he also had a lot of, the to- there were a lot of times where Swalwell dug into Bernie and Biden. He did a lot of Bernie Biden digging. Like Kamala had one shot, and it was an effective shot, yes, right? Yes, it was. But Swalwell just kept on going after the two, right? Swalwell was kind of mad, man. <laughs> and I feel like, he genuinely has good ideas. Uh-huh. Just a, he uses debate to keep on and continuously attacking the two top dogs. Yes. And he did not do it effectively. He went and he said that I'm the only candidate on this stage that would support a total buyback of all assault weapons, getting all assault weapons off the streets. He did say that, yes. He said that, which ended up, according to the other candidates, being incorrect. Because Biden said, I would also... Uh, have a buyback program and um i think what kamala said was she said um i would ban the importation of assault weapons she never explicitly said she would buy back or find a way to take assault weapons out of the hands of people who already own them mm-hmm. i think that was strategic i think i believe right now based on what she said that she doesn't intend to get rid of assault weapons now again i haven't really been following kamala maybe right. she's clarified in the past that she does want to get rid of assault weapons but based on this interview or it's not interview based on this debate it seems like she would leave them because there was a bill i believe in the 90s where assault um weapons were banned right banned okay banned in the sense that after this specific date Mm -hmm. they can no longer be purchased and it lasted for about 10 years okay and so i think her basically saying that she's not against i think i think she definitely is you think um, she's against assault weapons? She's against assault weapons, right. I, I mean, I agree she's probably against them, but is she going to take them out of the hands of Americans if she gets elected? That's just what I'm I wondering. don't think she's going to do that. I think a yeah. lot of candidates on that stage aren't going to do that. I think Swallow's the only person. Actually, Biden did say he'd, he'd, um, he would support a buyback. 
but um, Swallow seems like the only guy who, who's really serious about it. And that's one thing for me. I really, I don't believe that assault weapons have any place. I don't believe they have any in place civilian either. Population. I believe I. I don't believe they yeah. have any place either. Yeah. Um, but I do know that taking them back, right? Even whenever mm-hmm. in, in the nineties when that was put into place. Yeah. It was after a specific date. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. That being said, it's been about twenty years or about ten years actually since that. Uh-huh. I think about more than 10 years since it expired. Okay. And um, I do believe that there are a lot of candidates who will not pursue the idea of doing, um, of taking back. Taking back guns. The assault weapons. Yeah, assault weapons. Um, and then after Swalwell. You, you had, the, you had the big, yeah, you had the big... Biden versus That's, Harris, Joe v. Kamala. Joe v. Kamala happens moment. after that. Um, let's let's get into this. That's I'm right, because then Biden says he's about civil rights. Because right. then the the discussion pivots to civil rights, and then um, and then Kamala says, "Wait, no, you're not." And I will say also that that in this campaign, we've also heard, and I'm going to now direct this at Vice President Biden. Um, I do not believe you are a racist, and I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. But I also believe, and it's personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful, to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. So I will tell you that on this subject, it cannot be an intellectual debate among Democrats. We have to take it seriously. We have to act swiftly. As Attorney General of California, I was very proud to put in place a a requirement that all my special agents would wear body cameras and keep those cameras on. Senator Harris, thank you. Vice President Biden, you have been invoked. We are going to give you a chance to respond. Vice President Biden. It's a mischaracterization of my position across the board. I did not praise racists. That is not true, number one. Number two, if we want to have this campaign litigated on who supports civil rights and whether I did or not, I'm happy to do that. I was a public defender. I didn't become a prosecutor. I came out and I left a good law firm to become a public defender when, in fact, when, in fact, when, in fact, my city was in flames because of the, the uh, assassination of Dr. King, number one. Now, number two, as the U.S., as, excuse me, as the, uh, a Vice President of the United States, I work with a man who, in fact, we worked very hard to see to it we dealt with these issues in a major, major way. The fact is that in terms of busing, the busing, I never, you would have been able to go to school the same exact way because it was a local decision made by your city council. That's fine. That's one of the things I argued for, that we should not be, we should be breaking down these lines. But so the bottom line here is, look, 
everything I've done in my career. I ran because of civil rights. I continue to think we have to make fundamental changes in civil rights. And those civil rights, by the way, include not just only African Americans, but the LGBT community. But they, Vice President Biden, do you agree today, do you agree today that you were wrong to oppose busing in America then? No, do you agree? I did not oppose busing in America. What I opposed is busing ordered by the Department of Education. That's what I opposed. Well, I there did was not a oppose. failure of, of states to, to integrate no, public schools in America. I was part of the, the second class to integrate Berkeley, the, California public schools almost two decades after Brown v. Board of Education. Because your city council made that decision. It was a so local decision. So that's where the federal government must step the, in. The that's why we have the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act. That's why we need to pass the Equality Act. That's why we need to pass the ERA, because that's there right. are moments in history where states fail to preserve the civil rights of I all people. I supported the okay, ERA from the very beginning when Vice I ran President for the Biden, 30 seconds, because I want to bring you know, other people into this. I supported I the ERA from the very beginning. I'm the guy that extended the Voting Rights Act for 25 years. We got to the place where we got 98 out of 98 votes in the United States Senate doing it. I've also argued very strongly that we, in fact, deal with the notion of denying people access to the ballot box. I agree that everybody, once they, in fact, they should, anyway, my time's up. I'm so he does say he defended the ERA and the Voting Rights Act, and he, he takes a jab at her history as a prosecutor. Mm -hmm. um, but he also cuts himself off, which was the worst thing he could do. Because, yeah, he looked, like weakness. He, he looked like he wasn't able to strongly stand by <laughs> the views, which he still seemingly holds on to. Yeah. So it looks like his stance was wrong on busing because he was not able to properly defend himself. Mm. And I think just throughout this entire debate, he just looked very uncertain of himself. He was fumbling, and it looked like he didn't know where he was going with this. So he just he ended it, which is, again, I think the worst thing he could do. And also by saying my time's up, yeah. that kind of plays into the whole passing of the torch idea yes. that Swalwell introduced. Yes. He gave ground. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. Um, but that was one of the... I think it was the biggest moment of the debate because that's what's been... Um, it's one of the debate. Yeah, I mean, people are still buzzing about it. The media's been buzzing about. Uh, yeah. And then you had the question of whether the candidate's government plan would cover undocumented immigrants. Yes. And just a side tangent, asking candidates to raise their hands on a certain issues is just yeah. lazy from the moderator's end. Oh, really? You think so? Because you can carry out the entire debate like that. Yeah. Who's for this? Who's for that? So, yes, right. they're they're of the same party. They're going to have similar stances, but it's yeah. up to the moderator uh -huh. to investigate those stances and see where these candidates may differentiate. Asking a show of hands then only asking maybe two people on a stage of ten mm. to clarify just a random selection <laughs> is stupid. And they ask questions based on based on who they feel like, uh, like questioning. Right. Um, so back to the question of healthcare coverage for undocumented immigrants. Mm -hmm. Whoever the Democratic nominee is will have to find a way to support this because you had Trump already tweeting about it seconds after this was um, mm -hmm. this occurred. He was mad, and he's going to use this to distort truths and spew out lies. And actually, not just the nominee, but the Democratic candidate at this moment, or the candidates in any moment have to find a way to defend their position on this because Trump is going to be pretty ruthless on this topic. He is, and he's, he's going to galvanize be... his voters around that, right. too. I think that was another big moment where 
basically the candidates have to be um that be aware yeah you had biden and yang with like the slow raising of hands biden the entire night all of his hand raises were a little bit sheepish i think the entire night he was unsure uh-huh yeah he was uncertain because he should have known that they're gonna go after his history right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he just did not look ready and she gave him the opportunity to say do you think that you were wrong? You were, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said no, and, and there was there seemed like a reason, and he fumbled, and he cut himself off. I feel like with this entire debate, Biden is just playing like an old-school politician. He seems to think that he can win based on motivational tactics, based on... Running an anti-Trump campaign. Running an anti-Trump campaign, talking about the values of hard work, American ideals, and just making people feel like they live in the best country in the world. But he doesn't seem to give a lot of... Con- like I feel like he wants to figure out the concrete stuff after he gets elected, which is a very old school thing to do. That's back when the politicians would just build up support. But even uh, excitement. Even Barack Obama and Bill Clinton didn't do, didn't do that. They had. They're they're guilty of that. Or what do you, what do you mean? They, like, they, like, no, I'm saying they had a laid out plan. Yes, they did, and they were a lot younger Obama was at able the time to, of running. Right. Yeah, and I think um, I think uh, Biden is just from an era where. You saw a lot of that. The 70s and the 80s. The 70s and the 80s. Right. Yeah. Because Obama was able to take on McCain on health care. Yes. So I just think... He took on Romney on foreign policy. He, yeah. he yeah. obliterated Romney in the second and third yeah. debates. Fantastic. And that's what I'm trying to say is that if this is an old tactic, it is an ancient tactic. That yes. is 70s and 80s. Yes. He needs to get his crap together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And to play into that, what did you think about Marianne Williamson's speech about... Oh, Marianne. No plan. <laughs> Just okay. inspired. Every question that she was asked, she either brought up an issue that hadn't been brought up yet and vaguely touched on it, or she just said some motivational bullshit. Which specific question are you referring to? Um, It was a point where she interjected. They kept She, she attacked them about mm. having plans, and she said, plans aren't what won Trump is candidacy, his slogan, make America great again. Yeah, she does for action. Right. Yeah. Um, and that, yeah. That she is right about. I mean, um, but I don't think she, she was speaking to just a few people. But Trump did talk a lot about industrial manufacturing jobs when he ran. There was, so there was still substance. It Trump wasn't just talked about words. the problems. He didn't give solutions, though. But he still talked about yes. the He demonstrated issues. that he knew what the problems were. Right. That's that's what I'm trying, trying to say, that, yes, mm-hmm. it's important to inspire, but ultimately you have to have yeah. a plan, right? Uh-huh. Or what, you're, what you at least plan on tackling when you get into often a sl- office a slogan wow. isn't the only reason a candidate is going to win because right. if you don't have a plan then you're just treating the voter like they're stupid mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. yeah so they asked her how would you lower the cost of prescription drugs that was the first question she was given right and um rather than actually answer the question she bashed the u.s for making deals with big pharma and then she said we need to reframe the discussion to ask why people get sick in the first place. Why does America have such a high rate of illness? Taken on Booker for that. Booker's also apologized. Yeah, stands for that too. Yeah. So, um, and then she, but I mean, she brought up a good point actually. You know, the idea that we need to also focus on the root cause, nip it at the bud. But she dodges the question. Either she didn't know the answer to it, or she just truly wanted to bring up something else, and she wasn't right. organized enough. And then later on. I mean, she still looked like she had her crap together, and she was pretty confident about what she was doing. She was pretty confident. That's what yeah. I respect about her, too. I feel like she's not super informed about everything, but um, she has like she knows what she wants. Right. Which I don't see from everybody else, to be and honest. Like I said, I think you 
yes, there's still that yeah. this personality around her where you feel like she's not um that she needs to have she's not realistic in a sense mm-hmm. sometimes, but she needs to have some plan, right, for yeah. what she wants to do. She seems like but, she wants to be really proactive yeah. as well. Because another thing, later later on, Hikumuper gets asked, what are you going to do with uh, the children imprisoned at the border, detained at the border, rather? Um, and Marianne says, instead of, and then later the same question gets posed to her, and instead of, like, giving an answer, what are you going to do with them? Um, she says, instead, this is going against moral code, this is immoral. And then she says some, some actually, some, some just, like, interesting motivational bullshit. <laughs> it's it's quite interesting and then she re- tries to reframe the question again she says we need to focus on the root cause um of them coming in the first place which is we need to focus on foreign policy with south america and um, prevent things like gangs and um bad governments driving away their um their people right creating refugees in the first place so i believe uh beto also had a plan and again he didn't touch upon this in his debate but he said, invest $5 billion in non-governmental organizations in Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador to improve the quality of life for people living in those countries yeah. so they don't want to leave. It costs $30 billion for walls, mm-hmm. takes Americans' ranches, homes, farms, and properties to build it because they won't be built on the international line. Okay. So I think that is Beto's proposal, but I also believe that's a lot of Democrats' mm-hmm. stance on this. Yes. So, it but, wasn't really uh, brought up, though. But Marianne Williamson was the first one to touch upon it. And then, funny enough, um, they moved on right past it. They didn't even stick right. around to talk about it. Because, I mean, the reason was because they didn't ask her in the first place. Mm-hmm. She wanted to bring it up, but I don't think she had the clout to get everybody to talk about it. Right. And just a slight pivot, do you think it's fair that you have to have a level of clout to be asked a certain amount of questions no. I, I think that's just kind of ridiculous I think that's really unfair I think every candidate should be asked the same amount of questions and uh, any additional speaking time they get should be from interjections because I support interjections mm-hmm. and I, I, but it has I, to be done responses. well not the whole de Blasio Delaney <laughs> de Blasio. process yeah no but a, a lot of Gillibrand what she was doing a you lot say of a lot of um, Gillibrands or like more no, than a, lot, a lot of Gillibrand like uh, what a lot of the I mean, stuff she was doing I think there, there are Gillibrands plural in this world she does have kids. But I mean, like, a lot of... What, what I is that? <laughs> you got me, right? <laughs> like, she was really, really skillful how she did it. Right. That was a good dad joke. Right there. <laughs> Total dad joke, bro. Um, But overall... Yeah. Uh, these debates, like I said, went the way I thought they would. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yang's microphone. Yeah, let's talk about Yang's microphone. So what happened was, the entire time, if anybody watched, um, Yang got asked two questions... And then he answered the speed rounds, and he gave a closing remark. That was all of his speaking he time. Did, he did well those times. Both his his answers were chock full of information. I I think they were great answers. And uh, during the speed round, he actually gave a speedy answer. And Chuck Todd was actually like, "Oh, thank you for the quickness." Mm. You could barely hear. I had to watch it back. But he's like, he he, you know, he actually gave a speedy answer to a speed round question. But um, what was it? Yeah, I think he clocked in at under three minutes of his speaking time for the entire right. debate. And he was not asked many questions. He was asked only two questions. Um, and he, you know, he, and he, he was, he was a good boy. Like he stuck to the, (laughs) he stuck to the debate, to the debate. And, you know, during the debate, I thought to myself, like, he really isn't that experienced, is he? Because he's not choosing to interject. He's not, um, responding to anything that he thinks is important. But another was Buttigieg, but Buttigieg was also asked a lot more questions. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's what I was thinking during the debate. And then the next day, um, he he made claims that his debate was cut off when he wasn't asked a question and uh, disabling him from, from making any sort of interjections. And so my thoughts on that are, if he's telling the truth, shame on NBC, because it's kind of clear at that point that NBC who they said, want to be. The... Um, someone from NBC claimed that it's not true. Yeah, they, they denied but it. But of course, there's, at my th- they there's no proof. At this point, you can't... Yeah, and they would deny that. it. Yeah, it's too late. But... um. Yeah. So yeah. So there's that. And then if uh, if he if he's incorrect and he's just trying to cover up his lack of um, his lack of experience in the debate, then shame on him. I think it's gonna. That's that's the thing. Is I think the next debate is is his time to shine. Right? Yes. Well, this was also his time to shine. It was, but he he he, he shined a little bit. He did. I think. He he got a lot of. Um, of uh, search engine hits. He had the most most internet buzz actually. Him and Marianne from this debate. Mm-hmm. So um, actually, his goal and his, Kamala, his goal was Kamala also was Kamala also because what his goal here was, he was really humorous about it. He said, "Yeah, what I want is I want um, people to tune in, and after the debate, Google Asian man standing next to Joe Biden." <laughs> he just wanted the exposure, and he right. got it. And it's clear from the data that he got it. But uh, it's really you like you said. It's up to the next debate. He has to like he has to bring it. Bring it if he wants to make the next step up. And I was watching interviews from him afterwards, and he was he was totally chipper about it. Like he wasn't. People asked him if he was disappointed that he only got asked two questions, and um, they asked him about his mic thing, and he said, "Listen, I would have loved to talk more, right, and uh, talk more about these issues." But Apparently at the end he, of the day, sorry, go I on. got my message out there, right, and we got a lot of new following. And he said he's already qualified, I think, for four more debates after this. He has a huge internet following. He, I think he's he's carried on to the third debate. Okay, third debate. Right. Sorry, third. So he has two two more debates after this, and then he might, you know, by then he'll probably qualify for future debates if he gets where he wants to be. I'm not saying he will or he won't, mm-hmm. but if he does. So he said he's really optimistic for the future because um, he gets two more bites at the apple. He has a uh, he has a chance to. He still has a chance. He still mm-hmm. has a chance to do to do uh, good things for his campaign. And then also, uh, I think Marianne Williamson came out and said her mic was also sometimes not on um, when she wasn't asked a question. But for her, really? it wasn't the entire time because she made her new interjections. And um, what was it? I was watching this YouTube video entitled uh, Proof of Andrew Yang's Mic Being Cut Off or something like that. Something some title like that. And, and he did try interjecting and it, yeah, every now and then. It zoomed then. in on him like raising his hand and actually speaking. And Joe Biden looks at him, too, when he's trying to interject, but nothing's coming out. You can't hear it. You just see his lips moving. And um, You know what would be great? Mm. If Biden was like, you know what? Yang's mic was cut off. <laughs> that would be great. Dude, you know how good that would be? Like, you know how much respect Biden will get? Respect. <laughs> and Yang, a Biden-Yang ticket? I want a uh, Yang-Tulsi ticket, but we're not going to talk about me right now. We'll, I'll, I'll, we're t- we'll, 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 touch, we'll touch on my own shit later on. Some other, some other day. We'll get, to, we'll get to that down we'll get to the road. That. But I think a Tulsi Yang ticket would be. Or really a Yang Tulsi. What do you? Yang Tulsi. I want Yang okay. to be running for president. Tulsi is vice president. Um. But so I just want to talk a little bit about Yang real quick. He um he's not a politician. Right. right? So he's. Right. It was pretty clear that he wasn't used to the whole format of the debate with interjections, and and this back to back sparring that you saw with between some of the people mm-hmm. again he was being really polite so if he wants to get uh if he wants to have a better showing at the future debates he needs to kind of man up a little bit and man up's the wrong word actually but then again he also does say the fact that the mic was cut so you could also argue that he did try yes to interject that is true that is true 
Um, but so, either way, I think next time someone's gonna make sure that Mike, that Yang's mic is on. Yes. Right. Otherwise, so yeah, like I'm saying, the next time it is a time to shine. It is a moment. It right? is a time to shine. Yeah. Um, and then um, also, he's said in interviews that he really likes the the discussion format. He doesn't like soundbite type debates like this. He right. said this isn't like I said, it's political theater in the it's end. Political theater. Um, so so that's pretty interesting to see. Just. Um, he was an outsider, but he started to become less of an outsider as the, um, as we continue. I think he's he's pulling at like nine percent somewhere. Here we go. Yang is pulling at five percent in Maine as of June twenty eighth. Okay. Which is better than, than we've seen in the past. <laughs> anyway, yeah, there's other candidates too. I want to talk about some of the lesser known candidates in addition to him of this night. Okay. Um, who do we have? Michael Bennett and Swall. We already talked about Swall a little bit. He was just really passionate about the gun thing. And attacking. And attacking. Bernie Bi- and Biden. Yes. And Buttigieg. And Buttigieg. He really came out swinging. He came out swinging. He came out swinging. But with Michael Bennett, it felt like the most vanilla performance. But not in a bad way. He did pretty average, I felt like. Yeah, but um, nothing was particularly special. He ended up getting five questions. But you wouldn't guess it. Because uh, he's hard. he's not very memorable. And Yang got... Yang got two questions. Two, three, yeah. But Bennett is a senator after all, so. Yeah, but Yang's polling higher. Like, I'm, like, um, like I did say that you should be asked equal amount of questions, but if you're going to yeah. do it based on that, right? Mm-hmm. And I agree. Yang I agree should have been asked that. more. He should have. And I'm just saying, NBC's perspective, since it seems like they were trying to give exposure to the people that were in the government, people that were already well known. That actually, and I didn't clarify that. That's I think I don't think they were focusing on who's polling best. I think they're po- focusing on who they think is most electable. That's and even, I think that's, that's even that's worse. worse. Electability that's, that's, is a terrible, we knew a terrible they measurement. They were doing that, but yeah, that's a piss think, poor job in NBC's part. Then I think they believe that a senator is more electable than a businessman. Oh really? Who's, our, think, who's our president? Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> God. I don't know about I don't know I don't know what's in their heads, man. But I guess I guess they were feeling Bennett because he got asked five questions. What are your thoughts on the closing remarks? Who do you feel like stood out? Bernie definitely stood out. Like Bernie. I said, his his closing remarks did not match his overall performance because he had a all right performance. Yeah. Um, but he had a great uh great again like I said best closing. Yeah. Uh, remarks so. Kamala had one of the worst. She yes. had a, she had a great performance. Yes, she did. <laughs> she had a bad closing statement. What do you think about Pete? Um, Buttigieg had a had a decent closing statement, right? Yeah, uh, didn't. Yeah, I thought it was really comprehensive. Comprehensive, right? Um, but those are the ones that really stood out to me. Yeah. And then again, first debate closing statements. Um, Beto had a good, Beto. Like said, good closing statement, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Not a great performance from him overall, mm. and Elizabeth Warren had a had a good closing statement also. Yeah. Um, but overall, if you're gonna basically mash the first debate and second debate, right? Right. Right. Who do you think had the best performance, or do you think it's fair to judge that, saying that since they were on a separate a uh, platform? But if you're gonna judge it from an issue standpoint, mm. who do you think had the best performance yeah so from an issue who standpoint, got, who got their message out there the most effectively from an issue standpoint um i want to say kamala did a really great job she's one of the winners of the entire the entire thing i think warren also did a great job that mm-hmm. may or may not be because she was on the easier well quote quote easier you know easier night but mm-hmm. i think warren also did a great job of getting her um 
getting her policy goals well known. Those two, I thought. Um, and are we sticking to policy here, or are we just talking about winners overall? Um, because in terms of policy, I want to say really just Kamala and policy, um, getting the message out effectively. Um, um, Booker as well. Booker Booker got his message out effectively. I think he kind of shot himself in the foot a little bit with his Spanish. A lot of people are uh, kind of dragging him for that. Mm-hmm. But overall, like he really did um, introduce himself. He did. Like I said, he's on my radar now. I don't know how successful he's going to be in the future, but if he can, if he can keep, um, he has to up his game. Yeah, he has to start campaigning hard. He has to start campaigning hard. If he can refine his platform a little bit. I think he might stand a chance in the future. Um, and then um, Kirsten, Kirsten Gillibrand. I keep forgetting about her, but she, I think she, I think she was really, really great. I think she was really good. Not everybody agrees with me. No, I think she was, I think she did a decent job. Yeah. I don't think she did great, but I also yeah. do think she did a decent job of yeah. holding her own. I don't think she beat Kamala, but for me personally, I think she was either second or third, maybe tied with Pete. In terms of getting her message out, hmm. yeah, because for me the the poll with uh, Buttigieg was that he, like I said earlier, did a very good job of finding this balance between uh-huh. ideas, inspiration, and again accountability. Accountability. Right? Um, and now a, I'm we're starting to get ideas from him. Right. Now you, he's actually are, starting to flesh out his platform, which I'm really happy to see. So I genuinely feel like Kamala, Buttigieg, and Warren. Mm-hmm are the winners, right? Yeah. If we're going to kind of round it and average the first and the second, Average right? first and the second, they're the winners. I think they're definitely the winners. Booker did a good job of, again, like I said, Booker, he did a good job it was introducing a himself, yeah. introducing himself, but he now needs to do a lot more than just that. And I think one of the biggest wins Harris, is, I mean, Harris may have had is the fact that nobody brought up her history as a prosecutor. That may have been the biggest win. I mean, Biden did a Biden brief jab, it. but it got overshadowed by the fact that he could not yes. defend his position, mm-hmm. and she completely obliterated him. Yeah. So. One thing about her uh, history as a prosecutor, too, though, is like, um, she didn't have a bad history as a prosecutor. She wasn't being racist as a prosecutor. She wouldn't, I mean, like she said, I didn't she, expect she didn't it either. Think, she didn't think Biden was a racist either, mm-hmm. right? No one's. But just ignoring Biden, to any detractors of Kamala for being a prosecutor, like um people people used to target her they're saying she was um like if you you're in a black community how can you be a prosecutor be um uh prosecuting these these young black youths in California how can you do that like how how's that how like morally how can you do that and like be okay with it and she said that just because they're young black youths doesn't mean that they're not going to be doing that some of them won't be doing crimes, right? She said we can't leave stuff unpunished just because of the general stereotype. Right. Trying to break it. So but I think as there a There is an issue of mass incarceration. and There is. There, and when you look at basically who is being incarcerated, right, mm-hmm. it does lean towards a specific demographic. And that that's what That's what I think... But what I'm trying to say is... Talking about. I don't think Kamala was necessarily being one of those um, for-profit prosecutors. She was attorney general at one point, too, of California. To me... She also did coin herself as a progressive prosecutor during a time when being tough on crime was popular. Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of prosecutors out there who are bad people. 
and who um, are trying to contribute to mass incarceration because it ends up netting them more profits. But that's not every prosecutor, and Kamala wasn't necessarily one of those. She still has a lot of explaining to do for her history because some of it is not, some of the her record does not look um, yeah. necessarily clean, yes. I would say. I'm also surprised that nobody brought up Biden's history of uh, mass incarceration voting. His, his voting on bills for mass incarceration. Right. He has a pretty bad voting history with that, and that's one of my biggest things. He has a, he has a, he has a pretty questionable voting history in mm-hmm. the Senate. You're right. Yeah, overall. So um, that's one of the things, too, that I really want to see the next president tackle is the prison system. And the justice system, really. It's it's piss poor. So, For um, sure. Um, like we, got, we got a couple more debates coming up. Yes, we do. We'll see, see how those guys will be back on this mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drinking some some authentic mango juice. Actually, before we head out, who do you think the losers were? Who do you think the, the losers were? Um, I think Bernie and Biden were definitely losers of this debate. It's like they knew that mm-hmm. people were going to come after them, mm-hmm. and they just took it anyways, mm-hmm. and then didn't do anything about it. Right. Um, I can tell you the people who kind of annoyed me, mm-hmm. um, de Blasio. Um, and they're not saying that they didn't have any points to what they were saying, uh-huh. but their constant like you know, like interruptions and yeah. not being really smooth in the way they interject in a conversation yeah. did annoy me. It wasn't tactful. Um, but we do have a couple more debates, right? Mm-hmm. And we'll see. It's definitely not going to be the same uh, amount of same people, not the amount of people, but it's not going to be the same people mm-hmm. on the same on the stage. So right. I want to see. Right. How they mix it up, and when they mix it up, how that goes. I want to see Warren and Booker. Um, I want to see Warren, Booker, and Kamala. Yeah. On the same stage. Yes. And of course, Buttigieg to see how he holds his own because he did really well. Right. That second debate going in, right. I wasn't sure about him, but he did well on all fronts. He did. Um, did. Alrighty. Alrighty. Um, one la- one last sip for the for the for the mic. Mine is completely empty. <laughs> that probably sounded painful. All right. <laughs> catch, catch y'all uh, uh, on, the, on the flip side. Does that mean we'll see you guys when, like, after we're all dead? Is that what that means? Let's look it up. Let's what look what does catching on the flip side mean? The flip side, okay, this is, I think, Cora. Uh, like, the okay. flip side of a record is the B side. Or what? Or else simply the other side than the one that's playing. Radio DJs adapted the phrase catch you later to catch you on the flip side when ending their shows. From there, it, it passed into general slang, so it just means see you later or see you later or used to. See, I don't know, I don't know if that necessarily answered my question. So, I mean, no. We kind of did. It, it, it answers the question. The answer is no. What? Yeah, well, yeah, the answer is no then, right? It, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a thing about death. It's about records. Oh, okay. Okay, that's your concern then. Uh, yeah, yeah. Good job, Quora. Good job, Quora. Thank you, Quora. All right, we should we should probably peace out till the next till the next uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>